recorded live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lunch Agenda on Full Service Radio. We are broadcasting under unique circumstances today as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to shape our lives in 2020. I am your host, Julie Kurtz. In the fall of 2019, I had the honor of guest hosting the nine-week series Eating the Green New Deal here on Lunch Agenda. Lunch Agenda has long been devoted to exploring lesser-known parts of the food system. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversations with members of Migrant Justice in May 2020 in Vermont. You can follow me at Soil Soul Food on Twitter. That's soil as in from the earth, soul food. And if you enjoy this podcast, please like it, rate it, share it on social media. You can follow Migrant Justice on Twitter at Migrant Justice, on Instagram, Migrant Justice VT, as in Vermont VT, and on Facebook at Migrant Justice slash Justicia Migrante. And of course, their website, MigrantJustice.net. This is a wonderful time to tune in and follow them amidst their campaign, calling Hennaford grocery stores to listen to workers in their supply chain and negotiate a Milk with Dignity contract. In the first episode of this three-part series, I'll be speaking with Marita Canedo, a staff coordinator at Migrant Justice. In the subsequent episodes, tune in to hear farmworker leader Jose Ignacio de la Cruz, as well as Will Lambeck translating. Marita is originally from Bolivia, my second home. She became involved with Migrant Justice as a volunteer with the Teleayuda Helpline before joining the organization's staff. I spoke with her, socially distanced in the open air, outside her home near Burlington, Vermont. And now, to my conversation with Marita. So, I've assumed that I've skipped some of the intro, I've introduced you, um, I've said a tiny bit about migrant justice, but now I want to uh, dive into a little bit to migrant justice. Migrant justice has a lot on its plate right now. Um, you've got your your regular day-to-day duties uh, that you've been that you guys have been working on for for some years now Uh, you're also in the middle of a big campaign with Hannaford and oh right there's a pandemic (laughs) so uh, we've got a lot to talk about yes (laughs) Um, so let's start just so that our listeners can get a basic overview of who migrant justice is and what it is that you guys do Sure, so Migrant Justice is a grassroots organization in Vermont for dairy farm workers. We build the voice and power of the farm worker community and we organize under a framework of human rights. So in these 10 years, we have achieved driver's licenses for anybody in the state of Vermont, regardless of your immigration status. We have a policy that is called the Fair and Impartial Policing Policy, which puts a wall between Um, police officers and immigration enforcement. Mm -hmm. With this, we work every year to strengthen the policy and also we've been doing small campaigns town by town so every town can have a stronger and better policy than the state has. 
Mm. And then the milk liquidity program, which brings economic justice and the industry that's struggling, but also it's creating a solution uh, where workers are leading um, how companies can really be successful in their supply chains mm. and have um, standards that are enforceable. So it's a really important program that we want to expand and that's why we're in, in a campaign right now. Yes, yes. Um, and so could you tell us a little bit more about who, um, you mentioned that the workers are, they're, they're the, the people that are writing kind of the guidelines for companies about how to how to have their human rights and their economic justice um, uh, principles in their company. So could you tell us who participates in migrant justice? Obviously there are staff, there's volunteers, there's the broader community, and then there are workers themselves. So tell us a little bit more about that community. Sure, so the community that builds migrant justice, that is migrant justice, is the immigrant farm workers in dairy farms, mostly from South Mexico and Guatemala. And they have been here sustaining the dairy industry. From there, um, we have assemblies where people come together, share food, talk about their problems, uh, share experiences, and then collectively look for solutions. Leaders come and from those meetings and they form the coordination committee all farm workers from different regions in Vermont that really make the decisions for the organization. As you say, we have a staff that it's divided in a group that is in the office doing all the logistics and writing. And then we have the field organizers that are very linked to go visit farms, connect with this coordination committee, but all the team work together like in this sense of collectiveness. So we don't have a director, we are a horizontal organization that really is bringing the power of the workers. We have a good red uh, network of allies and volunteers. And yeah, we work with faith communities, students, and also people involved in seeking food justice. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, lucky enough to be part of one of the um, one of the gatherings of, I guess it was a coordination committee meeting. Yes. So it was in a park in rural Vermont that was best located for the, the, the farms around that area. And yeah, it was all workers coming together to talk about um, how things are going, what progress was being made, um, and just share food and a good time together. Um, we are lucky to be here in Vermont right now. And um, as you... As you drive the many rural roads in Vermont, you come across dairy farm and dairy farm. And but, just for our, so our listeners can get a picture, it's really spread out work. And so, one of the um, among the things that Migrant Justice does is just bringing people together that either uh, would be isolated, probably in many many senses. So, um, the the life of dairy farm workers in Vermont is probably what some people are now experiencing, which is a lot of isolation. Yes. So what are some of the main, if we can, uh, let's go back in time to February, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some of the, what was kind of the pulse of, of the, the priorities for dairy farm workers in Vermont? And then we'll, we'll add the pandemic, but 
sure. Back back <laughs> in February 2020. Yeah, so so you give a really good context of how it's the farms are so spread out in Vermont, and that's why we have these regional assemblies and people come together, but not only to share their problems but also to seek solutions. And we've been um, doing the milk unity program; it's in their third year now, and we started this public campaign. And the main thing we were going on a tour; we were traveling around the northeast region of the country just to educate people and also have more allies to ask the HANA for supermarket to join the program to sit with the farm workers and really understand that this is something that it's needed for them for farmers and also farm workers at the same time we're fighting with immigration enforcement you know being a border state brings all these dynamics that there are places where people really cannot leave the farm so there is all this problem about um, food justice and access to food, food security, access to healthcare. And as you said, you know, uh, before the pandemic, the lives of workers haven't changed as much because they already were isolated. Um, but we've always been trying to change a system that has failed us. So creating our system, and that's milk with dignity, creating our system where workers define their standards and also there's a way to enforce that and also there is the money to make it work. And mm -hmm. that's been always the focus, the main focus that why we're fighting and why we are doing this work is because we want to change the whole industry. So yeah. that's been the main focus for, for our community. Yeah. And I, I, if I'm remembering this number correctly, I believe that 80% of milk in the United States is milked by the hand of migrant workers. So um, if you are, if you're eating cheese, if you're drinking milk, if you're eating ice cream or butter or whatever it is, like you are, you are part of this system, um, anyone who's listening. And so uh, the, the work that you guys do has, I think, elevated the visibility of, of the hands that are really behind this, the hands and the heart and the sweat that are really behind um, the dairy industry. So I think um, I probably wouldn't know half as much as I do about the dairy industry if I if I if it weren't for Mike Justin really elevating the visibility. And that came. You mentioned the Milk with Dignity campaign. Uh, so uh, we were had as a guest um, Cheryl Pinto from from Ben & Jerry's uh, some weeks ago on, on, on Lunch Agenda, and we got a little bit of the, the business side picture. So she spoke to us about what it was like to go through these negotiations um, with Migrant Justice. Um, would you tell us a little bit more just so we understand what is Milk with Dignity? How did it come about? Sure. So understanding more about the dairy in Vermont, um, it's interesting that Vermont is not the biggest dairy state in the country, but there is the biggest industry for the state. Mm. So when we talk about this population, we're talking about an industry that's really, really important for the state. And the workers organizing this, it was all about improving the housing conditions and also the labor conditions. So because of Vermont is a small state, farms are also small. We see an average of five workers in every farm, having the biggest with 20 workers and the smallest with one worker. So each farm is their own world. And conditions are also different. We can see farms where there are 
people living in cramped trailers, you know, people sharing rooms or beds, or people not having their own room and having to sleep on the couch. Uh, we see um, housing conditions without clean water or without a system for the winter, you know, the heat system, there is no that sometimes. Uh, but also uh, the labor conditions, you know, long schedules. Cows have, have to be milked every day, if not two times, sometimes three times a day. So people are working shifts that are 12 hours, 15 hours a day, working 60, 70 hours per week. So this was the main focus for our community. How do we impro improve our lives with dignity? And all the other campaigns and all the other success we had really helped us build the strength of our community, really put us together in a focus where now we are powerful enough, we have people that feel that they can fight for the basic needs, which is housing and work. And as I was sharing at the beginning, you know, we learned about this model from the CIW in Florida. Yeah, that's the, the Coalition for Immokalee Workers. The Coalition of Immokalee yeah. Workers, they work in the tomato industry. They create this model because we see that there are many, many programs and many things that companies try to do to show that they are good with their employees, that they are good with the food that they are bringing. We, we see a lot of movement around food justice and real food without taking into account the human factor. Yeah. And so the CIW created this model where workers define exactly what is needed in the workplace, in the housing. Mm -hmm. And there, then there is created like a set of standards. But it's not enough just to have a set of standards. You need to educate people about their responsibilities and also about the rights with these standards yeah. when they get into place. So not only having standards in education for people, you need to enforce these standards. So then there is the third party monitoring body, the standards council that comes into place, is local, it's not an organization or a company that comes once a year just checking a box, it's really mm. in place, bilingual, talking to workers, talking to farmers, creating the spaces for better communication and also bringing consequences to farms where things are not complying after a lot of attempts to, to do so. Mm -hmm. And then there is the money, right? This costs money because if you want to um, hire a new person because you want to improve the schedules or you want to raise the salaries or you want to improve the housing conditions, you need money. And we know that this money cannot come from the farmer's pockets. So it was following the money, following the pyramid of economy, <laughs> and who's profiting really from this dairy? And it's the companies. So you know, as you might hear from Ben and Jerry's, what they do in the program is they pay a premium to the farmers directly. Mm -hmm. And this premium has to be to you have to be to put a use to comply with this code of conduct. So the money comes to the farmer and he has the set of standards and every farm has their own world, have their priorities. So it could be raising wages, it could be housing improvements, it could be um, changing the schedules, hiring someone, having some education um, about sa health and safety. It could be anything that is needed. So the workers and the farmers create priorities on the farm and they are monitored by the workers, but also by these investigators of the uh, council. Mm -hmm. It's really important. And then all this comes into a legal agreement because 
everybody can have goodwill. Everybody can say, oh, I want to be a good company. I want to be a good employer. But if you don't sign an illegal agreement, there is no way to really enforce this. So the program basically brings, as I was saying, creating our own system of compliance, economic justice, dignity for workers, a system of auditing, and also like human resources for farms that having, you know, like struggling. We know that the story of farmers in the USA has been really hard because Mm -hmm. they have to be asking the government for stimulus, for loans, for money, when we eat every day. You know, food is a need, a necessity for everyday life. And we are not recognizing that there is more need to put more effort on that. So the program really brings this into now, you know, the tomato industry, going to berries, going to peppers, and now here in Vermont with dairy. Yeah. And I, I, maybe you can say, so it's, you mentioned CIW, the Coalition for Immokalee Workers model. And my understanding is when um, Migrant Justice in part launched because a, a farm worker lost his life on a dairy farm and it was a needless death. And that's how... Um, the community kind of riled, um, roused together to, to create migrant justice. And you, uh, were you looking around for models and then the, the, you looked to the Coalition for Immokalee Workers model and even met with them? Did some of the farm workers yes. meet with them? Yes, so the relationship we have with the CIW, the way the CIW is very unique. Mm. And we're very thankful they have been, you know, going from being our mentors to be our partners. Yeah. And it's really important because we were were going through these like uh, campaigns as the driver's license campaign and then the foreign impartial policy all through the legislation, right? Trying to bring laws and changing the system that wasn't working for us. And we see that every year we have to fight it. Every year we have to monitor it. There is difficulty on enforcing these laws, these changes. Uh, you know, we went to sue DMV for sharing information with yeah. uh, immigration enforcement. We got into a settlement. So we were looking for a different solution. We cannot keep trying to go through the legislation um, to these very needs, you know, yeah. like everyday housing situation and labor situation. And yeah, we started looking around. And when we found that the CIW was so successful for so many years, and in a way that uh, it's not a show off, you know. <laughs> it's really concrete, yeah. very good work that it's yeah. functioning and it's real. Yeah. We went to Imokali. We met with them. They came here. Wow. They they saw like okay the industry because tomato and milk are they seem different. different. And the supply <laughs> chains, the supply chains is completely different. You know, tomato is solid, milk is liquid. Just starting <laughs> from there, it's just like the supply chain and all the thing. It's completely different. So we were able to adapt that program to milk, yeah. which was really, really important to happen. And even till today, you know, we can consult with them. We yeah. share many, many things. And we are part of this network that's called WSR Network, which not only brings food um, into this model, but also different industries like construction. You said WSR? WSR Network. What is W? What does it stand for? So it's Worker Social Responsibility Network. Okay. Worker Driven Social Responsibility Network. Well, I hope that's something that we... This is actually the first I've heard of the network, though. I know, obviously, I'm familiar with you guys. Um, but I, you know, I think about the 
for example, the organic label or mm -hmm. fair trade label. And this, I think, maybe in part because of the pandemic and because workers in the food industry in particular have been um, um, very disproportionately affected that hopefully in more and more industries, especially in the food industry, we'll see that kind of attention that, you know, you can buy organic label, but you can also prioritize the workers behind this product first. Yes, and a little bit about the network. The network might be new, but the model is not. You know, sure. we know that the CIW has been on this for more than 20 years. But as I was saying, you know, part of the network we have uh, people in the accordion, you know, like people making clothes for you uh, uh, yeah. in Bangladesh. They are part of the model. They are putting this model. Mm. We have people in Lesotho just doing part of this model too. They just want, it's like some yeah. unions putting this model into place in Africa. Mm. And then you have um, other, uh, like the construction workers in Minnesota trying oh. to put this model into place also in the construction industry, you know. So it's a model that it, you can adapt to any industry, but also um, people think, oh, you're only doing this for immigrant workers. It's not right, it's for workers that are really in the bottom of the supply chain, yeah. that are fighting for their dignity and their human rights. Yeah. So let's, let's shift gears just a little bit to talk about um, what the pandemic has, has meant, um, and then we will we'll dive into the campaign. Uh, so, uh, as we said, things are pretty isolated here in Vermont, but I imagine that, that COVID-19 has been a concern for a lot of your workers. Um, if, uh, and I'm, I'm also wondering, has there been solidarity actions? Obviously, for example, Coalition for Makale workers, um, one of their co-founders wrote a really powerful op-ed in the New York Times some week ago, some weeks ago about farm workers is in the fruit and vegetable industry in particular and how um, how much at risk they were and how that means the food supply chain is at risk. Obviously, we've seen um, meat plants being shuttered um, and now reopened, even though people continue to get sick and they their hot spots of infection. So I'm wondering, what is the feeling that you're hearing from from farm workers in Vermont, whether that's for their own con concern for their own health, um, and obviously limited access to healthcare, or for um, just in solidarity with with other workers in other parts of the country, especially in the food system. Sure. So the first thing that came into the community was fear. Fear of getting sick, fear of not understanding this pandemic, fear of not knowing what's going to happen, right? This uncertainty, again, you see yourself in a place that you don't know what's going to happen with you or your family back home or here. And as the time passed and the pandemic kind of developed in Vermont, uh, we haven't seen people getting sick, which is really good. We have seen that Vermont provides free tests, but also navigating that system to have people being tested is difficult because of the language access and the distances and all that. However, the people that have been tested have been tested negative. The problem, what's happening, is that co-ops have decided to only buy 85% of the production of milk. This is bringing less production for the farms, which we see in farms closing, 
So if you lose your job, you lose your housing situation, which has forced people to migrate outside of the state, bringing more exposure to the pandemic, to the COVID, because they have to either travel by car or ask someone to take them to a different state. So you're putting people in risk. Yeah. There is no possibility of a lockdown. Um, another thing, another concern was what if somebody gets sick in a farm? How that person is going to be isolated, knowing the housing situation where you don't have your own room or even a door in your room? Yeah. So how can we do that? And then the sick days, you know, how if I get sick, am I going to be paid? Am I going to be replaced and lose my job? What's going to happen? So the efforts that we've been putting on it is working with other organizations like NOFA Vermont started this uh, milk relief fund. So mm -hmm. if somebody gets sick, a farmer can apply to this fund and will get someone to come take that shift and be mm -hmm. paid for it. So the mm -hmm. farmer can still pay the employee that's sick. That's something that hasn't been used, thankfully, but it's there. And we've been trying to give that information as much possible and also we know that if somebody gets sick, maybe they don't want a new person to come into the farm, right? So it, mm. the, the shifts are gonna be shared between the workers that are already there. Mm. So we wanna be sure that everybody still gets paid and the person that gets sick is not laid off or um, just without payment. Yeah. So that we wanna be sure. Mm. Um, other efforts have been um, sharing the stimulus package, right? The government decided that everybody mm. deserves a check uh, excluding the undocumented population, uh, we have been in solidarity. And you said excluding, right? Yeah. Yeah. That just want to make sure we heard that right. Yeah. Yeah. So those who are who are, are harvesting our food and milking, uh, yeah, are not taken um, into account. Yeah. Um, so the community was like, "What are we being called essential, and not really being taken into account? We always being called criminals. We always being called you're taking our jobs." Uh, you know, we're always being called any, anything, but not essential. And now they are calling us essential, but still not taking us into account. We're yeah. still invisible. So the efforts, you know, uh, as this organization Cosecha, that they've been asking for people to donate their stimulus check or part of their stimulus check and that to be uh, distributed in the community, they have been run out of funds. You see the need because this is a national mm. level. So we've been yeah. like campaigning for that. And then we've been hearing And Cosecha from, is a national organization that works with a number of different... Yes, Cosecha is not the kind of an organization, more like the movement. So a lot of people yeah. can belong to Cosecha and they just created this system in place to distribute this, these donations. Yeah. And we, we've been promoting that. However, we've been seeing that in Vermont, people like big founders wanted to do something for the people in Vermont. So we've been working around that. How would it be for Migrant Justice to create a fund that will be distributed to the people in Vermont? Mm. But that's just like a band-aid, right? Yeah. <laughs> to the whole system that is failing to this community. Yeah. So working on the legislation again, you know, the state had received a big money. How is that gonna be distributed? We've been working on the legislation to have the state to give this stimulus package to everybody that's undocumented or excluded from the federal stimulus. So not only dairy farm workers, yeah. but all the population in Vermont that have been excluded. Um, 
of course the legislation is hard to work mostly now that's all in zooms or phone calls yeah. you cannot go and talk to person like face to face so we've been putting a lot of effort to have something into place we have gone through the through a committee they just created their own proposal that excludes other migrant workers mm. they just want to put farm workers uh, it's not um, adding like family members like kids from those workers mm. won't receive anything and it's not right because they are saying that the employer has to apply they have to come to the state and say i have five workers here are their names give me their money that in itself is something that is imposed by someone that has never been in a farm doesn't understand the logistics yeah. of how that would work so we we're trying to move that proposal to a different committee and have really what the community is asking for and just to say you know it's not only for dairy farm workers it should be for any person that has yeah. been excluded from the federal stimulus wow. and again the community knows that this is something that is just a band-aid <laughs> you know it's just like okay some money here and there mm -hmm. and why people have to beg to the government for this money who's really profiting from this um, so that is like kind of what's happening around COVID in the community but also yeah. people know members of my Justin know that the problem is bigger that yeah. there are bigger things than COVID that is killing our communities yeah. and really oppressing us and it's called capitalism and it's called racism and that's why we want to change the whole thing uh, and it links to our campaign that we can talk about yeah yeah so uh, we will take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the campaign awesome. thank you Okay, lunch agenda listeners, we are back. We are in um, we are in the state of Vermont talking with Marita Canelo of Migrant Justice, uh, hearing about what is happening in the dairy farm worker industry and world of community of migrant justice here in Vermont. Um, and we're gonna dive in and now talk and talk about migrant justice's second campaign, Milk with Dignity campaign that is ongoing right now. I attempted to talk with Migrant Justice at a, a campaign event in March, which was canceled just the day before as the pandemic was just sweeping through our communities um, or our consciousness of it finally was heightened. So Marita, will you tell us a little bit about the Hannaford campaign what um, what your what migrant justice is asking of Hannaford? Sure. So you know, after launching the Milk Dignity program with Ben and Jerry's, starting the third year, seeing that it's a successful program, that we need more of it. That farm workers are saying, I want my farm to be Milk Dignity, and workers that are in the program saying, I want this for more people. Uh, we dive in in a big analysis, and Julie, you were part of it. <laughs> we <laughs> conducted a survey about health and safety in different farms outside of the program, just to understand, you know, what are the priorities and what is the need. And after doing the, all this analysis, you know, we had help from the Columbia Law Clinic, understanding the data collection and putting all in like these fancy memos to understand better uh, how to communicate this and who will be the next target. Mm -hmm. And just researching more about 
supply chains. We learned that the Hannaford supermarket, you know, they have uh, around 200 stores in the Norris region. They are supplying from these states. So they are getting their fluid milk, brand milk, from Vermont farms. Mm -hmm. So they can be responsible for the workers in the supply chain. Mm. Uh, we reached out to the CEO with a letter. We didn't have any response. We gave him like some phone calls, nothing, left messages with the secretary. Mm. Um, we sent emails, nothing. So then the community was like, let's go to the streets. Maybe they mm. are gonna hear us like that. So last year, uh, thinking about the anniversary, the second year anniversary of signing with Ben & Jerry's, huh. we, were, we were celebrating that, but at the same time we announced that we are calling into Hannaford to join the Milk with Unity program. Hmm. So what we're asking is that they sit with us, they see how the program works, and they really understand that they have a responsibility with these farm workers. Hmm. Right now with the pandemic, you know, uh, we have seen in the news that they are profiting more. It's, mm. it's the irony, you know, that yeah. again, calling workers essential workers, but they are disposable or invisible and invisible. And then having supermarkets profiting from this pandemic, making more money by farmers dumping the milk, right? So it's important to understand that the crisis is hitting in different ways, right? We say yeah. we're in the same boat, but we're not. We're not, we're in the same mess, but everybody has their own resources. So the campaign had to stop, the tour had to stop, but people are still trying to connect to the CEO. We're still educating people. We had a webinar on Zoom that it's on the Facebook page that mm -hmm. everybody can get into to understand this analysis of the community, this analysis of the supply chain and why Hanafor it's important um, in the context of dairy in Vermont and the Norris region. You know, this will be uh, a step to not only get more farms in Vermont, but also in the Norris region. Yeah. And so, it, and if, if listeners want to tune in, they can go to your Facebook page, which is just if, if Migrant Justice, and they can view the webinar there. Yes, or they can contact us. They can go to our webpage, migrantjustice.net. Um, they can send an email if you want a link to the webinar. Uh, and Facebook is Migrant Justice Justicia Migrante. That's uh -huh. the name of That's the page. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and you can see you can see the webinar there, and it's just educating people about this. And same on Twitter, right? Also, also at is it at Migrant Justice? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. So that that listeners can see more. The one of obviously it was. Um, it was really tragic to cancel the campaign tour in the middle, but hopefully this means that as it, as it goes online that other listeners that might not be able to participate can tune in and see what it is that you guys are doing. Um, I'm, I know that the, the campaign with Ben & Jerry's took a while, a couple years, is that right? Well, it was a couple of years of a public campaign. Conversations okay. with them were longer than that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was Im I was impressed hearing when when uh, Cheryl Pinto of Ben and Jerry's was on on the show that she talked about um, how important how how long those negotiations really took and that it was a long conversation and she um, 
she really credited Migrant Justice for, I think as she put it, keeping the heat on Ben and Jerry's. And she really understood that that was something that, that publicly you needed to do. And so I'm wondering, um, how are you, how are our, how is the migrant justice community feeling about the Hannaford campaign? Um, and how do you see it evolving now um, with the pandemic? Yeah, so workers are excited because they are also consumers of Hannaford. It's interesting how workers go to Hannaford to get their own milk that they are milking, <laughs> you know, and other products. So it links very well to us consumers also. Mm. We are paying for products and we can ask and we can really enforce these companies to be responsible mm. and to see the people. As you said, you know, with Ben & Jerry's, we had long conversations and it was years of campaigning and it was important for them to hear how are they connected to the farm workers because it's very easy for companies to say we are responsible for our own direct employees we are responsible maybe for our own programs and they had a program for farmers you know around um, the cows and the animal welfare the environment mm -hmm. you know the water and the grass and they completely forgot about the human factor. And it was really important they sat with the workers, they heard their stories, they heard what was the analysis that they did, how they could be part of this program and really, really bring the economic justice that was needed because we cannot ask farm by farm to change the situation. We cannot keep expecting farmers to out of pocket pay for these things knowing that the prices of milk are defined by the same companies mm. right so if you're going to define how much are you going to pay pay better give mm -hmm. a premium bring this if you want to claim that you're a good company do it so now you know with Hannaford as I was saying is very linked also to the pandemic because they are making more profit mm -hmm. Hannaford belong to and a European company called Ahol Delhazy. Ahol Delhazy owns many supermarkets in the USA. Mm. They have billions of profit. Mm. And they are also part, Ahol is part of the fair food program with some supermarkets. So mm. some tomatoes in their supply chain in some supermarkets are coming from the fair food program with the same model. So they know and what the we're talking about. the fair food program is the Co Coalition for Immokalee Workers program with tomatoes. Yes. Wow, and, and if I remember correctly, Coalition for Immokalee Workers started with a supermarket in yeah. our first campaign as well, right? Well, it was Taco Bell the first. Oh, it was Taco campaign. Bell first, yeah. okay. Yes. But Publix was maybe. Publix was around that time. That was around that yeah. time. Yes. So, and yeah. they have contracts with Walmart. And now they have shop. almost 20 different companies, major yes. companies that, that have signed on to this agreement. Yes, so Ahol Delhaze is one of those that owns mm -hmm. Hannaford. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense, you know, to for this big company, big corporation, to have the supermarkets on the supply chain also follow with this program that right. is really bringing change, like direct yeah. change to the life of workers yeah. and farmers as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Lunch Agenda often ends um, with an action item, but I, I wanna, I wanna ask about how it's related to the campaign, or maybe you wanna separate them. So, 
Um, let's pause for a second because I, I actually first want to ask you before we dive into the action item and what listeners can do to support the campaign. Um, you mentioned the racism that exists in Vermont, and I think Vermont is an interesting case. Obviously, a very white state, and it's um, also a very progressive state. And I think that, or it's seen by a lot of other states as very progressive. And I think that not many people outside of Vermont understand maybe the sort of the underbelly of what happens and what it is like to be a person of color in Vermont. And so I was wondering, could you just speak some to that, to the experience of the migrant justice community and what that is, how that is experienced here in Vermont? Sure, so I think, as I said, the biggest violence you can do with racism is invisibility, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't even see the person, you deny their existence. So as with the Abenaki community, starting from there, this is Abenaki land, and they are not taken into account. They had to fight for their rights to do their things as they want. And, and it's, been, it's been really hard. And then the migrant community comes into working on the farms, as we said, isolated, so mm-hmm. still invisible. And as liberal or uh, progressive that Vermont could be, there is the problem of taking into account the voices of this population mm-hmm. and people of color in general. You know, we hear around the country about police brutality and we hear here in Vermont how the black community is fighting also against that here. We see communities of color um, coming from refugees, coming from Vermonters that were never seen as Vermonters because they are from the black community. And we collaborate with them in different capacities, you know, fighting racism. It's really important when you have um, the police just deciding uh, how they can go to where and what is just and what is not in Vermont. So we've seen a lot of problems, you know, the the first and only uh, black women uh, in the in the state of Vermont representative suffer from uh, attacks of racism and hate and, and the attorney general saying that they are not going to follow a case. That just shows, you know, the, the system is just really not um, fair with, with people of color. Um, we are a part of a coalition of um, Vermont ethnic studies trying to change the curriculums in the schools to teach the real story and, and mm. you know, seeing that there has been studies years ago saying, oh yeah, there's racism in the schools. And then years later, it's the same. Mm. So, you know, you can, you can launch so many studies, but if you don't do anything about it, uh, then you are perpetuating yeah. the violence and the racism. Yeah. So these communities are really fighting together to, to bring their voices. And it's really important to understand that Vermont might be seen as the whitest state or very white state, but I, I call it the whitest state of mind. Oh. <laughs> because there are a lot of people of color here that are unseen. Wow. Well, and I think what you mentioned, it, you know, you can do a lot of studies, but if you don't then take action, it's, are those studies really worth it if we only have the information? Um, and I think that was, uh, you mentioned that I, I was able to participate in the, in the analysis that Migrant Justice did, and I think one of the most exciting things about that is I, as I knew, it was not a study that was just going to sit <laughs> in a stack of papers. It was 
it was actively being used and it was it was driven by the community and the questions came from the community what do we want to know about ourselves and um, they were for implementation and I think um, I think it's a lesson to all of all of us that work in any kind of research that um, research without uh, a connection to the community that it's that is really interested is really it's really missing uh, it's missing the heart um, so uh, thank you for uh, all that Migrant Justice does and all you're involved in and, and with from legislation to education and to being an example of um, how capitalism can have accountability um, to uh, what we can learn um, from a real integrated form of research. So to close us out, um, uh, Lunch Agenda often asks for an action item. So this is basically one small thing or large thing, but it can be very simple that listeners can do to improve the food system for the better. So that can be anything and it can be certainly related to the campaign yeah. of, of Milk with Dignity right now, but it can also be more general. Um, if it's not related to the campaign, I want to know what our listeners can do to support it in any case. So. Definitely. So there are many ways to support, starting from checking our webpage, getting educated, understanding the context of the dairy in Vermont and the migrant community that works in migrant justice as part of migrant justice. Uh, related to the milk identity campaign, you're still going to the supermarket, you're still buying things. We have flyers that you can give to the uh, customer service people, mm -hmm. you can talk to uh, the managers there, you can tell them to talk to their CEO in Maine and respond to the ask of farm workers. So it's really important if you need those flyers, we can send them through mail, we can um, there are different ways you can get a hold of those. And there are Hannaford stores in, obviously, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Um, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Some in upstate New York, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. So for those listeners in the Northeast, this is a great opportunity to, to make those small nudges. This is, this is how the big balls get rolling. Yes, and we are getting ready. Uh, learning about campaigning long distance, you know, phone calls. We did it, we did it with Ben and Jerry's and we're gonna uh, prepare and connect with people that are interested to, to support and making phone calls to your friends uh, and also asking them to call the CEO. So we're gonna come soon with news about a day of phone calls to the CEO uh -huh. and just wanna be sure that he gets the message yeah. that it's not only farm workers asking for this, but consumers and all the people that really understand that this is bringing um, dignity, dignity yeah. to your food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that and thank you for those suggestions and I hope listeners will take you up on that, that you can even just participate via phone, uh, whether you're in the Northeast or beyond the Northeast. Um, so I have one last question. I'm inspired to ask, what, what is your dream or what do you think is migrant justice, their dream for um, the Vermont dairy community? What do you see as a sort of idyllic, what, what would that look like? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think milk within it is the dream. It's the new day. Hmm. And, and we're seeing it happening in the farms that are complying and they're under the program. We see people's lives 
completely change. You know, mm-hmm. not being afraid of retaliation. Feeling empowered to talk to your employee about simple things like you don't have a fire extinguisher in your house, you're not going to be fired for just raising your voice. Or you need privacy in your home. Or you're tired and you need a day off, you're sick, um, you need to take care of your family, things like that. Uh, Or just connecting about, hey, I want to learn more about how the farm works and do other jobs. You know, people really feel empowered. I think that's the dream. the amazing thing for our community is that they are not dreaming only for Vermont. They are mm. dreaming for everybody. It's just <laughs> as the legislation work for the stimulus package, you know, should go to everyone that's in the community excluded from this stimulus. Yeah. It's not only for farm workers. That's another ask that the community, you know, can do um, as an action item. You can you can check our campaign and the legislation and call the representatives. Um, but also, you know, in the dairy, we want milk with dignity to be everywhere in every farm. Understanding that farms in other states are bigger, have different dynamics. Yeah. Um, this program really, really can go to any place. Yeah. And so we want that for everybody. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I think that's a beautiful note to end on. As I mentioned, I was, I had the privilege of joining a a coordination committee meeting and it was I think the first gathering after Milk with Dignity had been enacted on some 70 farms and workers from those farms were coming and talking about what had changed and like you said that was one of the main pieces is finally I can raise my voice about simple things and so um, it doesn't mean that working on a dairy farm isn't really hard work. It doesn't mean you don't have to get up at two, you don't no longer get up at two in the morning and your, the barn now smells like flowers instead of manure and chemicals, you know, and and that Vermont's winter is no longer cold. It's such hard work. And so um, that Milk with Dignity wants to bring the dignity part to that really hard work. I think that's what we need to hear and we need to be thinking about um, that who would want to drink milk or eat ice cream or butter or anything that doesn't come with that kind of dignity behind it. Yeah, so. you don't want blood in your yogurt. No. <laughs> so that's why we need these things that are led by workers and, and not just outside programs that come. Yeah. Well, Marita, thank you so much and thank you to the migrant justice community. It's such a joy to have you on Lunch Agenda. Thank you so much, Julie.